Coming up this evening, live from New York City, the Fed unleashing another big rate hike to try to tame inflation. We have analysis. China reportedly targeting the Federal Reserve, trying to build a network of influence, according to a congressional report. Twitter sets the date for a shareholder vote on the Elon Musk buyout deal. It's one of the last steps needed to complete it. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Chenny Wu here for NTD Business. An update on President Biden. He says he no longer has COVID-19 after testing positive last week. His doctor says Biden took two tests, one yesterday and another today. Both came back negative. The White House says he'll wear a mask for the next 10 days. In an effort to tame inflation, the Federal Reserve today hiked interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says this may not be the last large increase. While another unusually large increase could be appropriate at our next meeting, that is a decision that will depend on the data we get between now and then. As the stance of monetary policy tightens further, it likely will become appropriate to slow the pace of increases while we assess how our cumulative policy adjustments are affecting the economy and inflation. Typically, the Fed increases the rate by a quarter of a percentage point at a time. But the last two increases have both been by three quarters. That marks the first time since 1994 interest rates have increased at that rate. This comes as consumers face the highest price increases since the 1980s. And here to talk to NTD's Don Ma is Nathan Lewis. He co-wrote the book with Steve Forbes titled Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. He's also the principal at Kiku Capital Advisors. Nathan, thanks for coming on. So, you know, the Fed raised rates by 75 basis points today. You know, just give us your initial, initial thoughts on that. Is it too aggressive, not aggressive enough? What's going to happen next? Just tell us your thoughts. I think they took care to be as, as in line with expectations as, as the Fed could possibly be. It seems that everyone was not surprised. My, my personal view, my somewhat idiosyncratic view, is that uh, we have way too much focus on this whole interest rate thing. And we kind of embraced kind of by default this idea that we have inflation. Uh, but where did that come from? Well, it seems to have come from two things. It seems to come from kind of a lot of excess money creation back in the COVID days, back in 2020, and also all these supply chain type things that, that we all know about. Well, the, kind of the theory here is that, well, if we raise interest rates, then that'll make unemployment go up. And then if unemployment goes up, we, people won't have any money to buy stuff and, and that will make prices come down. Well, that's kind of the three wrongs make a right theory. It's not a very good system. And, and I think we're kind of going to get into trouble, uh, at least some trouble because of that. Yes, I think this rate hike is going to exacerbate the recessionary tendencies that are already uh, with us. I think other people are sort of kind of chewing over these same issues. I mean, do we really have to cause a recession on purpose to fix supply chain problem? Is that our solution? What do you think it is? Do you agree with, you know, Powell said today we might need to see some slowing in order for inflation to come down. So do you agree with that? Do you think we might actually have to go into recession to get, you know, inflation down to the Fed's 2% target? Um, 
Well, I think that will tend to moderate demand and bring inflation down, just as many people expect. We are to a little, some de degree, on you know untested ground here. We're playing with different kinds of interest rates than we did in the past, and we might find that it it's kind of destructive, and we're kind of imposing on the market a higher interest rate than maybe it can bear comfortably. So you wrote the book, uh, you wrote a book on inflation, right? So I guess, well, just one last question. How do you fix, what, what's the solution to inflation? Uh, the solution to inflation today and in all centuries up to this time it is the same. Don't let your currency fall in value. And now we had a substantial decline in the current value of our currency and all around the world in response to COVID, they printed a ton of money. Uh, it had the same old consequences that it has often had in the past. Uh, but as long as you don't have any further declines in currency value, then you're not going to have any further inflation. You still have the consequences of that prior move. Uh, that's still filtering through. It's going to continue to filter through for a number of years. Um, but that's the basic solution. Uh, to take extreme, this is very obvious an extreme example. For example, uh, Bulgaria in 1997 had terrible hyperinflation. They had, I don't know, like 160% per month or something like that. You know, not, not from a year earlier, from a month earlier. And then they fixed their collapsing currency to the euro, and the hyperinflation was over in a matter of you know a couple of days. There's a ton of discussion about inflation these days in every financial journal. When is the last time you heard someone say it's because your currency declined in value? The solution is don't do that. We kind of know it's true, and I don't have to explain very much, right? Macroeconomic concepts here. We know it's true, but you never hear that. So hopefully we'll get around to that, getting to that uh, discussion at some point. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, anyways, Nathan Lewis, principal at Kiku Capital Advisors, thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Former Fed Chair Paul Volcker made some of the largest rate hikes in history. Many economists believe he did the right thing to fight inflation, even though unemployment soared. Should Jerome Powell follow in his footsteps? And today's Colin Fredrickson has more. The Fed has raised the federal funds target rate by 75 basis points, moving it to 2.25 to 2.5 percent, but still nowhere near the heights of former Fed Chair Paul Volcker. He pushed the rate all the way up to 20 percent. Volcker did the right thing because at the time when we were looking at why uh, inflation was so high, the economy really was just overheated, overstimulated, and those rate hikes really helped pull everything back. Nicholas Creel is a business professor at Georgia College and State University. Creel says the economic situation is very different right now. Energy is driving the bulk of our inflation, and because of that, it's just not going to be as effective. So the justification for being anywhere near as aggressive as Volcker, in my mind, just isn't there. Volcker's decision to raise the rate to 20% sent unemployment soaring, but it eventually did defeat the rising prices. Current Chair Jerome Powell calls him the greatest economic public servant of the era. Like Volcker, Powell says he's willing to harm growth in order to fight rising prices. Well, I hope we don't get back to 20% interest rates, but it should raise rates as aggressively as needed to make that credible commitment to, to ending uh, inflation. Robert Wright is a senior faculty fellow at AIER. Wright says the Fed has to convince people that it's serious, even if it means taking the rate up to 100 percent. But not everyone thinks raising rates is the right tool. The best way forward for the Fed 
is to forget about interest rates and just stop buying federal debt and let the market settle the interest rates. Ryan Dimitrovic is a Richard S. Strong scholar at the Laffer Center. Dimitrovic says the Fed buys too much federal debt, which sends money into the economy and causes inflation. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. The Chinese Communist Party has reportedly been recruiting informants inside the Federal Reserve. At one point, the regime even allegedly threatened to imprison a Fed economist during a trip to Shanghai. It was an attempt to force him to offer non-public American economic data. NTD's Faye Quarter has more. The details about the CCP targeting the Federal Reserve come from a recent Senate report and represent the latest Beijing effort to gather sensitive American data. Its goal? To build a network of influence inside U.S. institutions and government agencies. The report also reveals that in 2015, the Federal Reserve identified 13 of its staff as persons of interest who had troubling ties to the Chinese regime. Now the Republican-led Senate committee is scolding the Fed for failing to combat Chinese espionage attempts, while Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is strongly pushing back on the report. On Monday, Powell wrote in a letter calling the findings unfair, unsubstantiated, and unverified insinuations. The Chinese regime denies the espionage accusations. The Senate report reveals that in one case, a Fed worker was allegedly detained on four separate occasions during a 2019 trip to Shanghai. Chinese officials were said to have threatened to harm his family unless he offered up sensitive American economic data. Chinese officials also reportedly tapped his computers and phones and copied the contact info of other Fed officials from his WeChat account. The Chinese official then allegedly asked him to sign a letter promising not to discuss the incident with anyone. In 2019, the Fed ultimately issued a general warning to all economists preparing to travel to China, according to the report. Faye Quarter, NTD News. A chess-playing robot accidentally broke a child's finger during a match in Russia. NTD's Sean Marshall examines whether humans are ready for the growing robot industry. A child's finger was broken by a chess robot last week, as seen here in a viral video posted to Russian Telegram profile Baza. The robot had been publicly used for over a decade with grandmasters, and this is the first time an accident like this has occurred. Every person I talked to about the incident was not in favor of robots being in their personal lives. My first opinion is they're good in some aspects, but I think it's gone a bit too far in. I'm a bit scared of what could happen after seeing like stuff like iRobot and stuff like that, movies like that is getting a bit nervous. Many robots are being tested and used for delivery, workplace positions, and transportation. But how can we predict accidents that haven't happened yet? Um, it continues to confirm that robots should just not be a thing. We do not need to mass produce them. Uh, we can just go ahead and leave them alone in sci-fi, stuff like that. That's my opinion. In theory, love them. Cartoon characters, great. Like, but practicality, not a fan. With automated taxis and semis hitting the roads, along with automated robots taking more jobs each year, the liability issues for judges, juries, and lawyers will be amazed to figure out. But advantageous for legal clients because they'll be dealing directly with corporate entities. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Twitter has set the date on a shareholder vote over the $44 billion Elon Musk buyout. Yesterday, it said the vote would take place September 13th. This as the legal fight over the deal heats up. 
Musk earlier this month moved to terminate his agreement to buy Twitter. Twitter, in turn, filed a lawsuit against the billionaire to force the deal. The shareholder vote is one of the few remaining official steps needed to complete it. Twitter's board recommended that shareholders vote in favor of the deal. Stocks rallied today after the Fed increased the interest rate. The Dow rose 436 points, or one and four-tenths of a percent. The S&P gained 103 points, or two and six-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq added 470 points, or four and one-tenth of a percent. Right now, Germany is literally paying people to buy electric vehicles or EVs. But that's coming to an end. Germany economy minister Robert Habeck, pictured here, says EVs are becoming more and more popular. So the government can stop paying people to buy them. For example, right now, if you buy an EV that's under around $40,000, you'll get around $6,000 from the government. But at the beginning of next year, that'll drop to just over $4,500. And all incentives will drop to zero when the government spends a sum of $3.4 billion from the next two years' budget. Mercedes-Benz expects a significant rise in revenues and slightly higher earnings this year than last year. It's raising its outlook as the firm today reported an 8% jump in second quarter earnings. And today's Faye Quarter reports. Luxury car makers don't seem to be feeling the cost of living crisis. Mercedes-Benz on Wednesday raised its outlook for the year and said it expected a big jump in earnings. The German firm says its order books are full, with the top end of the luxury segment forecast to grow more than 10%. That comes despite a backdrop of difficult times for the sector. European car registrations have declined as supply chain troubles and rising prices weigh on sales. But the top end of the market has proved more resilient, with wealthy customers continuing to spend. On Wednesday, Mercedes reported second quarter earnings of almost $5 billion. However, it said the outlook could yet change amid the crisis in Ukraine, rising inflation and rates, and the danger of a resurgent health crisis. The firm is also making plans for a possible energy shortage if gas supplies from Russia are cut. Mercedes says it has a plan for reducing its gas intake in Germany by a half. It's also found ways to operate the paint shop at a key German plant without any gas. Faye Quarter, NTD News. The International Monetary Fund, or IMF, has lowered its global economic forecast through 2023. On Tuesday, it warned that high inflation in the Ukraine war could push the world economy to the brink of recession. The IMF cut this year's global growth forecast to 3.2%. It also cut next year's growth forecast down to 2.9 percent. That's down seven-tenths of a percent. It cited the impact of tighter monetary policy. The IMF's chief economist said the outlook has darkened a lot since April. He said the world's three largest economies, the U.S., China and the Eurozone, are stalling. And that'll impact the global outlook. Zimbabwe has launched the public sale of gold coins in a bid to ease runaway inflation, which has further eroded the country's unstable currency. The country's central bank announced the unprecedented move Monday. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. The central bank dispersed 2,000 coins to commercial banks on Monday. 
Trust in Zimbabwe's currency is low after people saw their savings wiped out by hyperinflation in 2008, which reached 5 billion percent, according to the IMF. Faith in Zimbabwe's currency is already so low that many retailers don't accept it. This government is trying to is introducing an alternative store of value, alternative to the U.S. dollar. As you know, we are in a chronic inflationary environment, so the Zim dollar uh, can no longer effectively serve uh, as a store of value. The coins are called Mose Atunya, which in the local Tonga language refers to Victoria Falls. The price of the coins will be determined by the international market rate for an ounce of gold, plus 5% for the cost of producing the coin. At the time of the launch Monday, the cost of a coin was $1,823.80. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Still to come, skateboard legend Tony Hawk teams up with Hot Wheels on a new toy line for kids of all ages. A jacket that was worn on the moon sells for a record amount at auction. How much did it go for? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Legendary skateboarder Tony Hawk is taking on the world of fingerboarding, collaborating with Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels Skate is a line of mini skateboards called fingerboards that are used to simulate skateboarding tricks. The Tony Hawk fingerboards and matching playsets will be available exclusively at Walmart. For beginners, the sets even include clip-on skate shoes that clip to the boards, making them easy for kids of all ages to use. The space jacket worn by Buzz Aldrin while stepping on the moon has sold for a record-breaking $2.7 million. The auction happened in New York Tuesday at Sotheby's. The in-flight coverall jacket is made of a fireproof, tightly woven silica fiber called beta cloth. It was used in the production of Apollo spaceflight suits. Other items sold included Apollo 11 flight plans with a complete summary of the mission. That sold for $819,000. Aldrin, who is now 92 years old, was the second person to ever set foot on the moon in 1969. Drones could soon have an even larger impact on future wars. That's as algorithms, data, and machines take on a bigger role in the fighter jet cockpit. But for now, there's still an important role for humans when it comes to air combat. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. Built by Lockheed Martin, the F-35 fighter jet is described as the most advanced combat aircraft in the world. The aircraft has a top speed of Mach 1.6, plus advanced sensors capable of tracking enemy targets and jamming radars. It also carries precision-guided missiles. What's more, the jets can share the data they gather in the air with control centers on the ground. The F-35 is a fifth-gen fighter, and what that means is 
stealth and sensor fusion brought together to ensure that the pilot is flying the most capable, the most connected, the most survivable fighter aircraft on the face of the planet. But drones are taking on a bigger role in modern warfare, raising the question of just how much need there is for human pilots to fly fighter jets. Say, as a lot of people talk about, you know, the way of the future, possibly taking the pilot out of the aircraft. Uh, that's definitely not something that any of us look forward to. Uh, I'd like to keep my job as long as possible, but I mean, it's hard to argue with new newer technology. There's a next generation of potentially pilotless fighter jets, but they won't arrive before the next decade at the earliest. So far, the job of drones has been largely confined to reconnaissance and, if you will, targeted assassination and very light strike, not a lot more. The Pentagon's Air Combat Evolution Program is designing a plane that can fly itself in a dogfight. But in the near future, air warfare is likely to be human pilots and drones working together. Now drones are increasingly seen as an adjunct to piloted platforms, loyal wingman as they're called, basically something that supplements crewed platforms in the sky. So as of right now, it looks like pilots won't be grounded just yet. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Chenny Wu. You can follow me on Twitter. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, send us an email at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.